In this job, you carry one suitcase. Your home is the available transportation. You don't sleep very much. You bathe less. And sometimes the food that you eat is made from things that you couldn't even look at when they're alive. Jeff, you don't have to be deliberately repulsive. Just to impress me, I'm wrong. Deliberately repulsive? I'm just trying to make it sound good. Heads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Karen. Like you didn't know that. And this is The Walking Dead Cast, <laughs> episode 276. Today's show is brought to you by Bombfell. For $25 off your first purchase, visit bombfell.com slash deadcast. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash deadcast. Also brought to you by Fracture, which is your photos Ooh. printed on a beautiful plane of glass in vivid color. For 10% off your first order, go to fractureme.com slash podcast. Nice. Uh, this episode will have the latest news about The Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead and other zombie stuff. And we haven't really done a proper episode in a f- like two or three weeks. So there's a lot yes. of news. Yes. And then we're going to be talking about Alfred Hitchcock's famous rear window. Yay. Not the porn. Won't make any sex jokes about the title. <laughs> Back door I might. rear window. Okay, we might. I'm not going to make any promises. <laughs> and uh, then we'll have a list of moans, groans, and grunts. But first, I wanted to uh, just talk about some random crap. So <laughs> um, I, we, I just wrapped up Game of Microphones for Game of Thrones Season 7. And I was curious, without spoilers, what did you think? Are you caught up on the show? I am. Yeah. You want to know my opinion? Of this season, oh, yeah, without spoiling. I've got opinions. Uh, okay, so I loved it, but I understand that I may not be in the majority here. <laughs> I, I've i heard that there are certain people who are who think that the show's gone off the rails, but I'm not one of them. Me I neither. Really, I really, really like I it. I mean, you know, I think I, I totally get complaints about the rushed pacing and also that it's a nicer show now because yeah. I have those complaints too but I still think yeah. it's so good and it's so amazing yes. and and that stuff even though um I feel like it takes something away from the show it also adds something different that yes. it's just fun and satisfying and gra- like instant gratification <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so, yeah you don't have to wait forever yeah, to see the things that i know that we're talking about travel yeah. across yeah you know what we're talking about a little rear window action <laughs> <laughs> front window i don't know that i don't door. know that for sure <laughs> yeah pretty much every entrance okay uh then what else so oh I, just while we're on the subject so we're, we decided we're gonna go back and do a rewatch of the whole series of game of thrones so smart yeah you're gonna have enough time until the next season right i know it might not come out until 2019 so that means that you're gonna have plenty of time to watch all yeah. the past seasons and it'll be fun because we're gonna talk about it from the perspective of having seen the series yes. up to now so we'll notice all these little foreshadowings and stuff like that yep 
Yep. Or or like, well, they probably didn't plan for that because yeah. later on. <laughs> or yeah. maybe they did. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe we won't have much to say about that, but I think we will because it's such a dense show. And all oh, right, that's fantastic. So that's game of microphones. When are you going to start yeah. that? I don't know. Probably pretty soon, though. Maybe in a week or two. Cool. Nice. I, I need a break from Game of Thrones to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's I loved it, but you know it's it's, it's hard to podcast on. Um, yeah. I met Bruce Campbell at Walker Stalker <gasps> Boston a couple weeks ago. <sighs> Do you want is to hear he, a little bit about that? Yes. Is he everything I think he is? Well, here's here was my interaction with him. I went up to his table and I bought his book. He has a new book out, Hail to the Chin, I think it's called. Hail to the Chin, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, I, I manage panels here. I've done it for four years, but you guys are the ones that I really fanboy out over. And he's like, oh, thanks. And I go, yeah, I actually do a, a Evil Dead podcast the top one he's like huh and i go and i think you guys are just knocking it out of the park with this show and he's like okay okay (laughs) 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 that's enough that's enough adulation (laughs) all right i'm done here accepting your praise got it i got it (laughs) (laughs) he wasn't on a panel (laughs) he was but you know he does his own thing so it was him and ted ramey oh yeah who did who plays henrietta in the movies yes. and uh they were f- the best panel ever they i mean what they did was they had uh f- fan talents so they went around and they'd ask people what their hidden talents were in the oh, audience oh cool they were like a comedy show like a laurel hardy kind of thing <laughs> oh and they God. they got people up with like this one woman sang opera and she was really good oh. and there was this bendy girl who could like do contortions and things whoa and then they got like fast talking woman and nose flute player and <laughs> people who said they were funny but were not at all funny and then they had them compete against each other and they just make fun of them and it was really fun. Oh my god, that's the best panel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was really fun. And you know what the best thing about it was? Hmm. Backstage, uh, a lot of these guys like they're just talking, and I'm like trying to show them the entrance to the stage, and they're just really blasé about it. And I'm like, okay, fine. And I introduce them, and they come on. But Bruce Campbell and Ted Raymond were like, all right, you're gonna go out, and you're gonna introduce and say this, and then I'm, then I'm gonna come and do my thing. And they were kind of he was seemed a little nervous about it, even though he's uh-huh. like the king of these, right? He's been doing yeah. it longer than any of us. Yeah. And so Ted Raimi goes out and does his big spiel and you could see Bruce Campbell backstage just focusing and then he runs out on stage and I just thought wow. that was so endearing that he cared yes. so much, you know. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. Oh, that is so <laughs> great. <laughs> that was really man. Cool. It's funny that his panel had really nothing to do with Ash versus Evil Dead. No, I mean at the end he goes, <laughs> All right, you guys have any questions that you just have to have answered? <laughs> <laughs> and then he would like Call that was a dumb question. I'm not answering that or stuff like that, you know. <laughs> but uh, in Philly, where it'll be the cast members without him, so I'm hoping I get to moderate that one. Yeah, I hope so too. And um, did you ask him if you can interview him for Ashes of the Dead? I'm, I need to write to him. You're working up to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to. I don't know. I I, I I don't really ask people at the conventions because I feel like the, it's separate. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I know James probably doesn't want me doing too much of that. Yeah. Uh, what else? Th- there was also a great panel with Michael Cudlitz, who was on antihistamines and said right off the bat, this is going to be a weird one. I took <laughs> an antihistamine earlier today and it hasn't worn off. <laughs> yeah. 
a quote unquote antihistamine. No, it was real. He was got allergies. But the uh, the um funnest part was when I said, Hey, what if Abraham came back as a ghost and, and haunted Daryl and he just ran with it. he's like, Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, What's up, Daryl? Like, how you like me now, bitch nuts? And he's like, Why'd you hit Negan in the face and get Glenn killed? <laughs> Bet you regret that now. Standing huh? up on the chair, and he goes, "Yeah, I'd be wearing like a ghost Lori dress and everything." <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> that was pretty fun. That's and, great. And there was um, Sictionary with uh, King Ezekiel and Jerry were on, were up there, and Tara and Cindy from Oceanside, and uh, they during the dance off, Carrie Payton did the worm, you know, like that what? dancing. What? There was a dance-off? <laughs> we do that sometimes because it's always a tie because the, the clues are so easy. Yeah. So we have this bust out the tunes ready and see what happens, you know. <laughs> and he looked there. I don't know what to do. I don't know. And then he just starts doing the worm. Doing the worm. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Carrie Payton. So, That's awesome. Those are like the funnest things that have happened to me since I podcasted last. I also wanted to ask you, have you seen The Ozark? Is that what it's called? Or Ozark? Ozark Netflix with Jason Bateman I have not me neither it's supposed to be kind of like Breaking Bad which made me think well we already saw Breaking Bad but uh it's supposed to be really good so I'm I'm curious I you seem to be really in tune with a lot of the Netflix shows so I thought maybe you might have seen it yeah unfortunately there's so much good content out right every time I turn on Netflix there's a new show on the on the front something great like every hour it seems like they come out (laughs) it's like come (laughs) on and not just I mean Hulu Amazon yeah uh on on and on and on there's just good stuff and I'm I gotta tell you I'm trying to slog my way through um the new Twin Peaks oh really Uh, yeah I'm trying that doesn't sound fun uh, you slog. might have gotten that by the word slog. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if anybody else has any tips for getting through uh, Twin I mean, may- some people probably love it and think I'm crazy. And I'm going to keep going because it's Twin Peaks. Uh, but man, you haven't tried it yet? I hear it's really good if you play it on triple speed. <laughs> yes, I have been guilty of fast forwarding through a couple really? things, but you know yeah. what? Oh yeah, but you know it's Twin Peaks. And I'm not I... going to watch it then. F it. There's a lot of good stuff on, man. <laughs> uh, you know what? Before you get into the news, I'm going to go ahead and do our first sponsor. So I really don't like clothes shopping all that much. It's okay, but uh, you know you have to go out of your way to go down there and. I don't really know what's going to make me look good. And you're in those uncomfortable dressing rooms. And uh-huh. if I don't like what I tried, I got to get my regular clothes back on and go out. You yep. know, you can't just yep. walk out in your underwear and pick out some new stuff off the road. No, rack. you cannot do that. So um, I'm going to try that. But anyways, um, <laughs> our new sponsor kind of takes care of that. It's called Bombfell and it's an easier way for men. I think it's for men, but to get better uh-huh. clothes. And you can use it if you want to just have some new casual clothes or if you want to like have some work clothes or if you want to like go out, you know, you can choose what kind of clothes you're looking for. And then you get a stylist assigned to you Nice. and you can talk back and forth with them and uh, they handpick a few things and they send it to you and you tell them about how much you're willing to spend and you tell them things you absolutely don't like, like I 
I don't wear plaid, so I said, yeah, no plaid, no plaid, and uh, then they'll e- send you an email with their selections, and you can say, yeah, that looks cool, I'll try it, so, or not. You're in total control. So then once you've picked a few things, they send it to you in a box and you get it and you try it on. And if you like it, then you pay. And it's retail prices. There's no extra fees. Dang. No like uh, membership charge or anything like that. No extras. Uh, and if you don't want it, you just ship it back. All the shipping is free. You don't have to pay for any of that stuff. Nice. So it's like just a personal clothing valet service. It's simple, it's straightforward, it's flexible, and you can receive clothes once a month, every two months, every three months. You can pause it or cancel it anytime. It's it's just really, really simple. And this is great for me because I always feel like, man, I need to update my wardrobe. I, I just have a lot of black t-shirts and jeans and <laughs> I need uh, stuff to wear when I go to these panels or yes. you know, go out yes. to you know hang out with like a lot of times there's opportunities to go out for drinks and stuff like that afterwards. You want something a little stylish to wear. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I got my first shipment just a couple of days ago. I had a button-down shirt and a nice tee and a pair of cotton pants and really liked the pants, uh, but uh, except they were just didn't quite fit exactly right. They were comfortable. They look cool, a little more stylish than what I normally wear, but not quite right. So I'm just going to send it back and let them know exactly why. And then they'll send me something new. The shirts were great. So, but they were all high quality. I mean, I I was a little heartbroken that those pants didn't fit exactly right. Cause I'm like, Oh, something besides jeans that looks good on me. But so we'll see what the next one is, but it was all easy. It was a pleasure to get these and be able to try them on at home you know, yes. in my own, the comfort of my own environment at my own pace. You get seven days to try them out before you decide. Did Jenny, did Jenny weigh in on them? She did. Yeah. And that good. That That's important too, man. So there are Bombfell's offering $25 off your first purchase to listeners of walking dead cast. And so if you want to get that, go to bombfell.com slash deadcast. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash deadcast. Bombfell.com slash deadcast. Thank you, Bombfell. Excited to have you guys as a new sponsor. Thanks, Bombfell. I'm going to make David do that. He hates shopping too, so that's perfect. Yeah, who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people he kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. Okay, uh, these are sort of in random order, but The Walking Dead Season 7 Blu-ray came out. Oh, nice. I heard that they don't have the Negan cuts with he because apparently he's been filming a lot of scenes twice so he can have the fuckity fucks in there. Yeah, I heard right, they don't have right. them in there. Oh, what, what, man. What the hell? I don't know. Um, but anyways, on one of the commentary tracks, uh, Angela Kang writer set, revealed something um, that we'd been wondering about so back when daryl was captured and imprisoned at sanctuary and he had a big orange a on his shirt yep uh she was talking about what that stands for apparently stands for asshole (laughs) (laughs) and really yeah and she said randomly people ask me all the time if the a stands for anything and i was like it just means asshole uh they're just being juvenile, like A for asshole and F right. and S for fuckface and shithead. 
That's hilarious. Isn't it? It is. I like it. It makes me like that episode a little more. I know. (laughs) That's cool. Yep. Yeah. Even though it's supposed to be a rated PG-13 show, they kind of snuck that in there. They snuck a little thing in there. I love it. (laughs) So check this out. Robert Kirkman, Galen Hurd, David Alpert, who's another producer, and Uh Glenn Mazzara, ex-showrunner, they're all suing AMC. Kirkman, too. I heard about this. Tell me more. Yeah, so Gizmodo.com sums it up pretty well. They say the producers feel AMC undersold the rights to the show, but oversold production costs to keep profits artificially low. (gasps) Each producer has a specific percentage of the profits he or she's supposed to earn, but if someone is lying about how much profit's actually being made, there's an issue. Lots of the murkiness comes from the fact that AMC broadcasts The Walking Dead and AMC Studios produces The Walking Dead. Two companies owned by the same company may be kinder to each other when it comes to selling the show at the rate it is truly worth, which is a lot, blah, blah, blah. So, And then AMC answered, we have enormous respect and appreciation for these plaintiffs and we will continue to work with them as partners even as we vigorously defend against this baseless and predictably opportunistic lawsuit. So it's like, these are our friends, but we hate them. But we hate them because they are predictably opportunistic. Yeah. Wow. So do you think they'll be able to keep a working relationship even as they're battling each other in court? That sounds, it sounds really crunchy. And it depends on how close the AMC executives are to the production of the show, the actual production of the show. Probably pretty close. So yeah, it sounds awful and an awkward situation. So yay. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. I hope not. But what if Kirkman left the show? That'd be weird. He has two shows on AMC. He has Fear and The Walking Dead. Yeah. Damn. Uh, it seems like AMC has a problem. Like they're cheap. But yes. did, you know, I don't know if we ever reported on this, but it came out like a couple months ago that Darabont was just cussing everybody out. Do you hear yeah, about that? I don't think we ever reported no. on it. I read a little bit uh, of it and then I put it down and I'm like, I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> I got to, because that made me rethink everything. I'm like, uh-huh, oh, me he's too. a total dickhead. Me he too. He's like, I'm going to shove this down your throats and stomp on yes. your neck or something. And, <laughs> right, exactly. Because people not weren't pleasant. like doing the cinematography correctly. <laughs> and I'm like... Uh, is that true? Is that if it is, it doesn't show him in a very nice light no, at all. I know. Yeah, it was really distressing. A bit much. I mean, I, I saw this video recently with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You were talking about James Cameron, uh-huh. and he's like, "Yeah, he's a different person on film. He he has a vision, and he will work tirelessly to get it done. But you better stay out of his way. And you know, when you got Arnold the Terminator going, yeah, watch out for that guy." <laughs> 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 you know, he's like, but I would absolutely work with him again. But I've heard that he's like a total monster on set. Right. But right. he makes pretty cool movies. <laughs> yeah, he's a genius. Sometimes the geniuses are kind of monsters. Yeah. Um, th- you ever seen the... It's my excuse. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Monster. Uh, you ever see the Christian Bale... Um, I want to say it's Batman. And he's yeah he's yelling doing at ba- some yeah. lighting person. <laughs> yeah, you're in my light. <laughs> right, you yeah. with the da 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 in the background. Oh, Get over here! No, 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 we're stopping. <laughs> right. Uh, whatever. I forget what he said, but it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> it I, li- I because there was one of uh, David O. Russell on the set of uh, I forgot what movie it was, but 
Lily Tomlin just yelling at each other, cussing each other out. I like. A, Why is it so much what? fun to hear that? I don't know, but man, I like a good tantrum. Yeah. It's kind of fun. It you is. Know, a it's public sort of tantrum. cathartic. Like, yeah. Yeah. I want to do that sometimes. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I want to moderate this panel the way I want to moderate it. You'll sit down and shut Andrew up. Andrew Lincoln. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you the think ni- you are, Chandler Riggs? Carl? <laughs> Two of the nicest cast members. I, know. I, know. I do get to moderate the Andrew Lincoln panel in Atlanta with James. Yeah. There's nice. going to be some surprises too. So I'm looking Are you going to yell at him? Tell yeah, him I'm going to shut say, up. Sit down and I'm going to show you who's boss. It's you. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. You should definitely ask him about the lawsuit. Just kidding. <laughs> no. I, I'm just going to no. be happy to be in his presence because he's the nicest and most talented person in the world. And you hand him a dictionary and just say, just read out of this. Yeah. And then he's Karen will be he's happy. He's just the coolest guy ever. He okay. Is. I mean, I took Nico up to him and he just like spent a few minutes. How are you doing, buddy? And all this. Aww, did he's, you get a picture of that? No. But he's probably going, what the fuck am I supposed to do? He hands me his kid. <laughs> That's cute kid. All right. <laughs> oh, God. Another cute kid. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's super nice. Okay. Next. Uh, let's see. Describing season eight in an interview at comicbook.com, Stephen Ogg, who plays Simon, said, says, it's it was amazing. the most amazing. It's going to be off no. the charts. Incredible. What? He said, yeah, <laughs> let's thin the herd, man. Let's thin the herd. Is that what he said? So maybe the herd will be thinned. Nice. Does he mean the zombie herd or does he mean the living no, herd? No, I thought he meant the living herd. Yeah, not the zombie herd. It might be the zombie herd, which I say, yeah, Could go ahead be. and thin that. Thin that. <laughs> um, uh, the, the three Walking Dead actors have been announced to appear on Talking Dead after the season eight premiere, and they are Melissa McBride, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Lenny James. So I think they'll all die. Die. Yeah, in the premiere <laughs> probably. Pickle jinx. What if you could like get Negan killed off, but... Also, Melissa McBride would have to go. Would you do it? <laughs> no. Okay. You no. had to think about it, though. I did. For leaving, just a second, I was like, well, that would be kind of nice. No. You know what? Even without Carol, yeah, I don't want him to go. Not yet. You want him to and suffer? Maybe, and maybe not ever. No. Oh. I want him to be repentant. Oh, okay. I want him to to um to sit down and to sit down and shut up. No, sit I want him. Down I, I kind of just do. acknowledge what you did, young man. <laughs> Use I, your words. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was wrong to bash in <laughs> Glenn's head. head. Now Abraham write it. You have to write it a hundred times on this chalkboard. I'm sorry. Women, I bashed in Glenn's are, head. Equals and they're human, and I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. that I, I will not bash in anyone's head. Except if they're zombies, and then yes. (laughs) Then I can, right? Yes. Negan, that's fine. Okay. (laughs) Um, So AMC's going to air an hour-long preview special for Walking Dead Season 8 on Sunday, September 10th, which is six weeks before the premiere, but that's because it's uh, Fear the Walking Dead is on that night, so I guess they're going for some synergy. I don't know. A special? Yeah, I think it's a preview and some interviews and stuff like that. I don't know. Right, we're going to be report. We're going to be reporting on it. Yeah, we'll like. I think we have to by law. Say it was on. 
<laughs> this is the recording. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Alexander Breckenridge played Jesse. Had a baby like eleven months ago, and she's, she's pregnant gorgeous. again. Oh, congratulations! He's pump, pumping those things out. <laughs> Next, Norman Reedus told CNET.com there were aspects of how they were writing Daryl early on that he fought. I think we've talked about this a little before, but thought he says there were there were always scripts that had him taking drugs and being racist like his brother was. I fought to change uh. those because I felt he should be more an Al-Anon member and not a full blown Alcoholics Anonymous member. He should have grown up with it, felt ashamed of it and wasn't comfortable with who he was. That allows him to grow into somebody you respect. Yep. I say weak. That's weak. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I wanted him to be cool, not not somebody you hate that's how i feel uh, i mean really? like well let's see, check it out like i respect the actors who bring humanity to flawed characters like brian cranston with yes walter white and james gandolfini with uh what's his name tony soprano tony what soprano, if he'd yep. said well i don't i want tony soprano to leave the mob and join the police force and change his ways and become a good person yeah. i like the f- i like tony soprano because he's so unapologetically and even and even unknowingly tony soprano he's flawed in ways he has no idea he's flawed at least at least walter white knew the ways he was flawed and was and it was kind of enough he was enough self-aware that that he understood his flaws but tony soprano never even understood what his flaws were i guess not he was very complicated but I love both, both of those guys were heavily Fantastic. flawed, and they didn't. Yes, I, I didn't see Brian Cranston going. Can we just make Walter White really apologetic and stop making meth and no. yes, and be a hero? Yeah, huh. you know what? We're doing a we're doing a uh, Breaking Bad rewatch right now, David and I. Oh, we're on season two right now. It's so good. Yeah, that's such a great show. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I want to do that sometime. Uh, let's see. So here's another one. Tom Payne talked to, who plays Jesus, talked yep. to comicbook.com about the differences between season seven and season eight. He goes, I think season eight that we're getting into now, it's completely different. First of all, I always huh. told myself I wouldn't say what I've heard other cast members say every year, which is, oh, the next season's going to be this. And the new episode the is chain. so many superlatives and so many words you use. And I'm like, come on, you can't say the same things every year. But then I had to bite my tongue and says, well, actually, season eight, the first few episodes are out of this world. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been getting them and going, wow, OK, we thought that was amazing. And then the next episode is amazing. The audience is going to be very happy with the direction we're taking. We're all really happy. So he's in the cult now. Yeah, he, he sure is. He drank the Kool-Aid. Indoctrinated. Well, well done, Tom Payne. Well done <laughs> to not say what everyone else says. At least he acknowledged it. Yes. I think that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> One of us. Maybe he's right. Maybe it's going to be the most amazing thing. I don't know, man. You ever heard of that story of the boy who cried wolf? Cried wolf. Yes. Yes, I <laughs> no, have. I, I shouldn't say that. It is an amazing show. And I, it I is thought an amazing last season show. kicked out all kinds of ass. All right. So I just like being snarky. But um, Resident Evil 2 is one of my favorite games. It's, I think, was at the top of my list back in like 2010 when we did our top zombie properties of any uh-huh, kind. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I just love it. It's like my first experience of feeling like I was actually in the zombie apocalypse. Well, they're Aww. doing a remake of it. Oh, 
A remake of the video game? Yes, and that's a new thing that they're renewing lately because when it first came out, like at the time it seemed really advanced, but now it's total crap, like pixelated garbage and the voice acting is horrible. No. And the original Resident Evil, they did a remake in the 90s and it was it was amazing cuz it just looked really dark and the zombies looked r- the way they moved and the yeah. detail was great. Yeah. And they're like ah um and so I I mean that was 12 years ago or more and so I'm like really excited about this cuz oh. it's it, they've been working on it for 2 years. Mhm. And uh, that makes me feel like they're really putting a lot into it. Um, back in 1998, Yay. Romero directed a commercial for the game, Resident Evil 2. He did? Yeah. Oh, it that's was just cool. a zombie commercial. Oh, um, George Romero. So I don't know when it's going to come out. Next year is, I think, the 20th anniversary of Resident Evil 2. So I think it'll probably come out next year. Will you buy it? Yeah, no question, man. I yeah, I'm this game I'm more excited about than any game. Um one sad thing is uh this girl Allison Court, she was the voice actress for the female lead named Clara Redfield and uh-huh. there've been a lot of Resident Evil games since then that had Clara and she's always been the voice actress, but this time the third party localization team making the game chose to go non-union and so she didn't want to break oh. union, so they're not using her. That's not good. Yeah, so that's kind of a bummer. Because she's good. Well, all right. Melissa, there's an opening for you. <laughs> Are you union? I don't think so. Go for it. Uh, and then while I was talking about this, I just want to mention that I was contacted a while back by this nice person from the Crimson Head Elder podcast who has, it's a Resident Evil-centered podcast, and he interviews the creators and voice actors from the series. He interviewed Allison Court and he's talked to the actors who played for you fans, Jill Valentine, Chris Redfield, Albert Wesker, Barry Burton, and a whole bunch more plus composers, writers and creators. So if you're a super fan, uh, I think he's British too. I'm not sure, but anyways, it's fun to listen to. So go to crimson dash head.com to hear that. <laughs> Crimson Head Head is because when they did the Resident Evil remake, Uh uh, if you didn't, if you killed a zombie, but you didn't burn it and you just left it laying there, when you came back, suddenly it would have this red face and it would be fast and clawed and more dangerous. So those were the Crimson Heads. (laughs) Oh, you got to burn the Zeds. And you're in a big mansion with lots of small spaces with hallways and you walk around the corner and all of a sudden there's one coming at you. You know, it, it's so Aww, cool. You would love so this great. game. Yeah. Does um, does the mansion make sense spatially? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, it It's does. really cool. And there's um, Resident Evil is famous for having puzzles that don't quite make sense, but they're fun and it's scary and i don't know it's just just a great game can you can you play it with your what is that called the that the 3d yeah the the three your goggles oh well the new the the latest resident evil game resident evil 7 Uh uh-huh which is probably the scariest game i've ever played in my life is um compatible with that but i won't uh-huh. play it with that it's scary enough Why? without it, <laughs> it oh! does. i want to <laughs> i'm it. sitting there watching the tv the tv over there 
going, oh, God, I got to stop playing. It's just giving me too much. And then you you put that thing on and you're in it. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. crap my pants and have a heart attack. In that order. <laughs> Good to know. So, all right. Okay, off yeah. limits. But y'all, you can try it if you want. You know what I was actually thinking would be fun because people stream games now. Uh-huh. And, and, yeah, and they play. sure do. Yeah. So maybe you and I could stream Resident Evil 7. You come yeah. over here and watch me play it. Yeah. And people can hear you go, yeah. oh my God. Or It'd be fun. This is boring. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd like it. I would love it. Let's try that. Mm-hmm. All right. That's it for the news. Now it's time for our second and final sponsor. That's Fracture. So... I think most of you have probably heard of Fracture by now, but if you have not, <laughs> here's what they are. It's your photo printed on a pane of glass in vivid color. We're proud to have them as our sponsor because we love their product. It comes in many sizes. You can get really small, really big, square or rectangle. And when you get it, it's ready to just hang on the wall, pop it up there. Um, I love them because they're really simple and they're minimal, but they're beautiful in and of themselves. And as a product, I just like the way the product looks and feels, but they're personal to you because it's your photo showcased. Mm -hmm. It's your memories. It's your best photos. It's showcasing something in a really nice way of yours. And a lot of those photos you have hidden on your phone and you don't see them very much or at all. Nobody else sees them. Maybe you put it up on Facebook one time, but then, you know, it goes away. So I, I know some of those photos would look nice on your wall and you would actually appreciate being able to look up and see your little kid or, you know, that beautiful Glen that you visited. (laughs) I mean like a forest Glen. Right. I was thinking, no, (laughs) G-L-E-N-N. Yes. Stephen Yun. He is beautiful. You could put, you could do a Stephen Yun fracture. I wonder if you'd get in trouble for that. Can I fracture Stephen Yun? (laughs) (laughs) So they're really easy to order. uh, order. You just upload your photo and click the buy button and then you get it in the mail. Um, They make awesome gifts. They do. Because it's hard to figure out what to give people. And Mm -hmm. this is really nice. And it can be a shared memory and you just present it to them. They're like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You can get creative with it, too. Uh, one listener of ours, Wendy, showed me that Fracture featured one of her fractures. on. Oh. on they have an Instagram at Fracture Me. And says it was like she's into scrapbooking because a couple yeah. of episodes ago, I was saying I didn't know what a scrapbook was. And right. she showed me some of hers, and they were just beautiful, like trips yes. she's taken and all creatively designed frames yeah. and little sayings and things like that. So she had a nice uh, fracture that she did kind of like that and nice. featured it on there. So that was, that was pretty she nice. She made their Instagram. That's pretty good. For some reason, my mind still goes to like this macabre serial killer scrapbook. Whenever I think of it, like bound in flesh. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's pretty gross. Yeah, no, that's not modern that's scrapbooking. Not, that's not what it's no. all about. No. So to get a fracture, uh, go to fractureme.com/podcast. Pick Walking Dead Cast, and they know you heard about them from us. If it's your first time ordering, and you do that, you can use the code for ten percent off that they give you. That's FractureMe.com slash podcast. Thanks, Fracture. Thanks, Fracture. Serial killers. <laughs> okay, now it's time to talk about uh, Rear Window, which is Alfred Hitchcock movie starring Jimmy Stewart and... Uh-huh. Uh, Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly. And 
uh, Thelma Ritter. That's she plays the nurse. nurse Stella. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I got out of this movie is I want Thelma Ritter to come to my house every day. Yes, and take care of things. Give me a vigorous tell- oil massage. Rub down. Rub down. <laughs> yeah. I think she had liniment. She's I from his insurance was- company. Yes, she yeah. was the insurance company nurse, and she basically <laughs> told him what's what. And do you, I would love to have a nurse come down, and as she's like putting liniment on my back, tell me, okay, here's the ways you're screwing up your life. Yeah. Here's how you can fix it. And That'd talk awesome, frankly right? about chopping up bodies. Oh, she was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They were all good. It, yeah. Even Doyle was pretty good. I like my favorite yeah. thing Doyle did is he tried to take a drink and he just spilled it all over himself. <laughs> right. Said he wasn't good with snifters or something. <laughs> yeah. Snifters are tricky, though. You, he tried to like put it back like <laughs> he a tried shot. Tried to down it. Yeah. And it did, like all the cognac or whatever just sort of. Went, yeah. <laughs> like, all right. And that just showed snifters. to me that's kind of how he is. He's sort of sloppy and careless and you know he wouldn't yes. pay any attention to them and well honestly when you think about it he he did some sleuthing i mean he yeah he tra- did he, he helped he, he did he tracked yeah. down the the crate and the crate secured with rope was just women's clothing okay and then he went to the train station where she was supposed to arrive and there was a woman or a policeman was there and it was you know mrs mrs whatever her name was and she had arrived so um seems to me that he did his due diligence that's true and i love that he actually helped the dude uh jeff but he also was kind of snarkily skeptical the whole time the whole time and one of my favorite things about these old movies that are really well done because it still i think they still uh you know plays had been around for so much so long that the movies were kind of written like plays yeah back then and that means that they have a lot of clever dialogue and yes. like when uh, Doyle comes over and he's talking to him about it and but he's kind of skeptical, but he is helping. And then he goes uh, right before he leaves, he goes, do you uh, have any headaches lately? And Jeff's like, not until you showed up. And he goes, right. uh, well, it'll wear off in time along with hallucinations. See you around. <laughs> <laughs> so they just kind of give each other shit, you know, just yes. subtly. You know, I mean, it it took place pretty much entirely in the apartment yeah and and it could very well have been a a a stage production i mean yeah easily that it's just like the one room and they're looking out and it it had to rely on amazing actors and it had to rely on the snappy dialogue and the interesting story and it had all those things it had it had the the actors playing these characters that are funny and they're smart and they fully they realized way, fully realized I and guess. the way they the way they interact with each other it's fabulous yeah. I love uh, I mean they all kind of give each other shit uh, mm-hmm. Jeff gives uh, Lisa Fremont his his girlfriend he gives her all kinds of crap she gives the crap right back and nurse stella gives him crap <laughs> yeah he gives her crap i mean it's but it's the kind awesome. of crap where like if you're if somebody gives you that kind of crap you you suddenly like them a little more because uh-huh. you know they're not trying to ingratiate themselves you know yeah. they yep. just consider you enough of a friend that they can play around yep it's like exactly. That. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah i hope we didn't like 
for people who I don't know if you're familiar with this, it's it's Alfred Hitchcock directed it. Yes, it's, I guess we should start from the start. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we're gonna spoil a lot of it. So, but I, I recommend you got you guys go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's considered one of his best movies. Some people consider it yep. his best, and it's also on a lot of lists of best movies ever. Yeah. Now, it's an older movie, and if you're not into old movies, which I wasn't for a long time, I just thought boring. Uh, but then my friend Doug in college pulled me aside and gave me a big uh, vodka tonic and said, sit here and watch Philadelphia Story. With, oh, I uh, love Philadelphia yeah, Story. With uh, Jimmy Stewart, Catherine Hepburn, and Cary uh-huh. Grant. And I, I really started to notice, you know, yeah, they're just walking around in a big mansion, but it's all about the character um, interactions and, and the psychology yep. and who's yep. kind of get one upping who and, yeah. and the, the dialogue and it, the little subtleties of it, you know, it's just very involved. If you let yourself be taken away by it. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of little interactions and dialogue that don't really have anything to do with the plot. They're just there little flourishes and linguistic asides that are so much fun and so rich and stuff. I uh we've been on a uh Hitchcock watching uh binge too. My my favorite is probably Rear Window is probably number 1 but closely followed by North by Northwest. Mm-hmm. Have That's you one seen of my North- favorites. Yeah. Oh, man is good. I always loved The Birds cuz it's so I freaky. Have, I still haven't seen it. Oh, you got to watch that. It's one of the ones I haven't and seen. Of course Psycho. Psycho is fabulous. Yeah. We've been watching, like we saw Notorious, and we saw uh, Spellbound. Uh, some, so we've been doing some obscure ones too. Nice. It's been super fun. David loves these old movies. He used to go with his dad to the the old movie theater in mm-hmm. Palo Alto and and uh, awesome theater, and watch yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I think I might have watched Psycho there actually. Oh, that's nice. That's true. You lived in Palo Alto too. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing I loved about it was the setting. And do you, <laughs> did you read about the set? Yeah, go ahead and tell me about it. So it is a giant set. I mean, I thought it was actually filmed in an apartment building, but of course it wasn't. It's too, um, probably too complex to film in an actual apartment building, but they based it on an actual apartment building. Um, it's a giant soundstage, basically. So they, it's a huge set at the Paramount Studios in Hollywood. And um, they had 31 apartments that were built. 12 of them were fully furnished. They built it in six weeks, which is incredible. That's amazing. But, yes. I didn't really know that is. while I was watching. And I'm like, I can't build anything in six weeks. And they just <laughs> built this whole world. And it's incredible. It even had like a really functional drainage system because there was mm. there was a, a scene where it rained, and um, it's based on a real uh, apartment in Chelsea, the neighborhood of Chelsea in New York. And uh, it's kind of great because um, the movie is based when there was a massive heat wave, so that explains why they all had to have their windows open mm-hmm. you and could hear hear everything. And you could see it because the you know the 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 uh, Blinds were up, so yeah. to get the breeze in. So, although I uh, think it would have been, it did seem like they could. Everybody would just like look up and be like, "Look at that dude with the big giant window who's staring at all of us <laughs> with the binoculars <laughs> yeah. and the but camera." Apparently, if you just like went back a little bit into the shadows, you couldn't see him. You couldn't see him, but uh, 
Also, everybody else seemed to have something of a life, whereas he was just stuck there as a photographer. Mm -hmm. And as a photographer, that's professionally, what does he do? He he takes pictures and he looks at yeah. things and he notices people. He's a photojournalist. And, and he's so, that's he's so restless. Yes. And that's his character. And yet he's stuck. So he's feeling claustrophobic. And I also think that's sort of a metaphor for his feelings about marriage, that he doesn't yes. want to be trapped. And right. he wants, he's a, he's a man of adventure, but he, yeah, you're right. He's observant. And I think he's a photojournalist, not just a photographer. Either yeah, way, he works he's in a magazine. looking for a story. And so sitting there in his boring neighborhood, thinking about Pakistan and the jungles of Africa and stuff, <laughs> he, 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 you might think, ah, he's just making up stuff because he's bored, you know? So you don't really know as you're watching whether or not he's actually seeing something going down or not. True. But the then end. at some point, um, um, Stella and Lisa, his girlfriend and his nurse, they both buy into it. At some point, they're like, okay, we're in. Yeah. We're in. And in fact, Lisa tells him, uh, she tells him, you're, you're being a voyeur, a peeping Tom, blah, blah, blah. And then she sees something and she's like, and she's like, wait a second. And then she's in. She's yeah. all Tell me in. everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. When the three of them decide to team up, it's my yeah. favorite part. And I, I liked that the movie started off. It took 30 minutes in before there's any hint of this is a thriller. Yeah. It was it was all about the atmosphere. And, yes. And, uh, you know, I love the voyeuristic aspect of it. I think that's probably what hooked in Hitchcock. He's like, yeah, people want to be able to have permission to be a voyeur. And one of right, the very first right. scenes is him looking in at that beautiful blonde as she's putting on her top Miss, and Miss Torso. showing her butt and everything. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, it's like, I think that's why Facebook is so popular because yes. you can go Facebook stock everybody and be a voyeur without you them can. knowing. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely so right. It kind of touches touches on that. But it was so much fun, yeah, to see all the different stories play out and and the cycles of, of this world. Like in the daytime it was always um there was a lot of activity and sounds and then at night it was it was quiet, but there would be something more intriguing going on maybe in one or two of the yeah. spots. Um, just a nice environment with the lighting, how the lighting changed and uh -huh. the soundscapes and everything. So the if you're going to be stuck in this spot and not even any thriller aspects until a half an hour in, it was just a nice place to hang out, I thought, with Jimmy Stewart, yep. you know. With Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. And <laughs> can we just mention for just a minute the incomparable Grace Kelly, who mm -hmm. is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's just the most lovely and she wears such gorgeous clothes i was jonesing for her entire <laughs> wardrobe it was so beautiful and to hang out with jimmy stewart and grace kelly okay yeah like if they just want to sit there and talk i'm in yeah well i mean the first time i ever watched this movie the reason why is because this girl i was dating in grad school wanted me to see how uh, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly kissed each other, which was sort of a not-so-subtle hint to me. <laughs> really? This is how you kiss. Because there was so <laughs> much kissing in that movie, and they did it. I guess there was. It, you know, while Super they were talking. Super close-up. Yeah, very um, sensual and mm -hmm. light, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that did help me, actually. Oh. Uh, my kissing hasn't been the same since I saw that. <laughs> the girl's gone, but the kissing training remains. Yeah. 
So, um, but I had my own little flair to it. But anyways, uh, <laughs> check this out. I was reading about facts about this movie. Before she was Princess Grace of Monaco, Grace Kelly had a reputation, whether true or not, for having affairs with her male co-stars, even the mm. married ones. One of those men was Ray Milland, whose spurned wife just happened to be good friends with Jimmy Stewart's wife, Gloria. Gloria was less than thrilled at the prospect of her husband working with Kelly and developed a bit of paranoia. According to True Grace, the life and times of an American princess, Gloria was on set constantly watching for signs of an affair. Nothing materialized, although Rear Window cast member Thelma Ritter confirmed that Kelly was a huge flirt. Quote, I think it took Stuart back to his fancy-free, footloose bachelor days, she said. I don't say he flirted, but he didn't seem to mind it either. Ha! That's funny. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if Grace Kelly flirted with me. What I if think, she flirted think, with David? <laughs> I think David would understand. I think I'd understand if she flirted with David. Wow, that's great. So it was based on a short story. Uh, mm-hmm. It had to be murder. And in that story, there was no girlfriend or nurse. And his leg injury wasn't mentioned until the last line, which said, guess we can take the cast off your leg now. You must be tired of sitting there all day long doing nothing. So I guess that was sort of a surprise at the end of the story. That's a great surprise, too. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fabulous? And the... um the villain guy what was his name Thorwald or something yeah it was Played Lars by Burr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lars Thorwald he was based off of David O. Selznick who was a producer that um, Hitchcock hated Uh huh. so he kind of made him up to look like him with curly hair <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah you know and David O. Selznick is one of these larger than life guys um, I think he was the producer of um, Gone with the Wind Okay. And sort of this big bombastic personality, supposedly. <laughs> Just funny. By the way, did you ever watch Perry Mason? I'd probably seen a couple episodes when I was a kid. That was Raymond Burr. I never really got into it. Yeah, yeah. Big burly dude. Mm-hmm. Burly Burr. What do you... Uh, let's. No, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, I want a little bit about Jimmy Stewart. So I really like Jimmy Stewart. And I like that he's kind of grumpy and standoffish but lovable. Yep. And I found out a while back that he was already a big star. He'd done Philadelphia story and uh-huh. Mr. Smith goes to Washington, a bunch of uh-huh. movies. Then he went off to war and oh. he enlisted. I think he was drafted, but then they turned him down because of his weight. So he like got his weight up and reenlisted. And then he wow. fought to be able to go into combat combat. He was wow. a pilot and they wow. wanted to keep him doing like service jobs, yeah. but he, pushed and then he became he went to germany and so he really wanted to get involved then when he came back his first movie back was it's a wonderful life and they said that his acting had changed because he had he had ps ptsd probably you know all this like weight and and energy or emotion so oh that's fantastic what a hero this movie was a little later in his career yeah it was after all of that this movie came out 1960. Is that right? No, no. 54. 54. Yeah. 54. Um, I read that Grace Kelly turned down or was offered the role in um, On the Waterfront. Was that On the Waterfront? Yeah. And that she turned it down to play, um, to do this. Good. Yeah. I don't know. I'm no, I don't really move. know anything about that movie, but 
Um, and then I liked the epilogue. It was kind of a series of little jokes that yes. the hot blondes, nerdy Rick Moranis like army boyfriend comes home. Came home, yeah. Hey, honey, what you got in the icebox? <laughs> I'm starved. And the two newlyweds who had been all lovebirds the whole time. She's like, if you told me you quit your job, I wouldn't have gotten married. And he's like, oh, honey, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff has two broken legs now. And uh huh. Lisa's in her jeans yeah. and more practical, casual clothes reading this adventure book. But then he's asleep, so she pulls out her fashion mag. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so did you think it was at all like offensively old-fashioned how they were sort of stereotypical? He was the rough-and-tumble dude, and she was like the fashionista and everything. She, But she was rough and tumble too in fact yeah that's she true. climbed she climbed the ladder up into thorwald's apartment in high heels and <laughs> a really fancy dress uh and got in there and she was doing some sleuthing i mean the, I, I looked at how she went from the fire uh fire escape and then she had to sort to of crawl over to the window and yeah. i was like she's doing that in high heels yeah because yeah, when she first went over there to deliver the note and then she came back and she's like did he find it? What he? Yeah, and, and she she's pumped. all excited. He's like so admiring of her. Oh, yes, she is willing to get her hands uh-huh. dirty and have some adventure. Yeah. But then when she went on the fire escape, he's like, "Get out of there!" It was too much for him. It so, was, but, but she did it, man. She's yeah. awesome. So uh, I think it actually subverted the uh, the stereotype. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I guess the only other thing, like to me, you know, Alfred Hitchcock typically is about thrillers and suspense and this movie had a lot of that but that was almost secondary for me but at the end when you know it's almost like jeff's been watching tv this whole time and then somebody he knows goes into the tv and there's nothing he can do right <laughs> and right. that was a trip like oh yes. shit my girlfriend's being attacked i i, shit, what, what I have no I power yeah. i have nothing and yeah then the the villain comes from out of the yep. TV into his apartment. So yep. that was such a cool little Wasn't ending it? segment yes. there. Yeah. It really, really was. And I like that he tried to blind him with the flash yeah. bulbs. Because flash is supposed to illuminate, but this he was using it to blind instead. Yep. Yep. So great. By mm. the way, that, um, did you ever see the Simpsons um, spoof on Rear Window? I may have, but it's been a long time. I don't so, remember. Bart breaks his leg in the swimming pool and mm-hmm. has to, and all summer long has to be in his bedroom. And uh, so he's up there with a, a telescope and he watches, of course, the Flanders next door. And he thinks that Ned Flanders kills his wife, Maud, but in fact, he just kills the houseplant <laughs> in uh-huh. the end. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> great. Good. Yeah, I, re- yeah. I, I did see that. Maud ended up dying, right? Eventually. Eventually. Spoilers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Anything else you want to say no. about it? No. I think that Go watch good. it. You'll yeah. love it. I'd say watch it. Trust for sure us. If you haven't already seen it. Uh, all right, then we'll, 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 you guys had some stuff to say and we'll hear about that in a second, but first we'll take a little break. Stay with us. All right, we're back. It's time for Lister Moans, Groans, and Grunts. Uh, 
games. So here's your reactions to Rear Window. And the first one comes from Matt Whitehurst, who writes, Sorry, Disturbia. Hitchcock did it first and better. If you ask me who my favorite actor is from the 30s to the 60s, it would be Jimmy Stewart. This is one of his best performances. And he's referring to... Um, Disturbia, the uh, supposed remake of, although there have been a couple Rear Window remakes, one with Christopher Reeve, believe it or not. Um, but Disturbia, uh, David was saying, oh my God, please tell me you're not reviewing Disturbia. And I said, no, 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 <laughs> we're not reviewing Disturbia, we're reviewing Rear Window. But uh, David's like, don't, he's like, you know, don't bother with Disturbia. I, I haven't, I don't know anything about Disturbia except that it, supposed to be based on this and yeah I, I yeah i saw there was a christopher reeve after he'd had his accident i don't know if yes. that was any good either i never saw it i'm i'm but shaking my head vigorously yeah how could it be as good as this one anyway um but i admire him for doing it yes absolutely steve brown says i agree mostly i think stewart's performance in the man who knew too much is slightly better though i never saw that i haven't either i'm gonna mm-hmm. put that on my list Matt Whitehurst replies, fair enough. That one is good also. I just want to give Vertigo some love. Yeah, Vertigo. I never, I didn't like Vertigo. I don't, I just just like. San Francisco. Yeah, I just wasn't into it. And people are going, what? Because that's also considered one of his best. And maybe I should watch it again because it's been probably 15 years since I saw it. I like his other movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lisa Moreno says it's in my top three of fave Hitchcock movies. Such great camera angles and acting. I loved it when I was younger. Dial M for murder and the birds are my first two. My parents loved Hitchcock when I was young. So it inspired my love of true crime and suspense. Great choice for a movie review. I have not seen dial M for murder. That has got to be on my list either. Yeah. Okay. That's movie night. Heather Johnson writes, I'm a huge Hitchcock fan. Rear Window is my favorite, and Dal M for Murder was one of the classics. I I have a collection of Hitchcock's older movies, 39 Steps, Strangers on a Train, so good. Uh, Mo Favo says, Notorious is my favorite. Ingrid Bergman, Cary Grant, amazing. It is. It's yeah. great. Yep. I like um, how much she looks like her daughter, who is named oh, yes. forgetting. But- uh, yeah. Um uh, I don't know. Isabella Rossellini. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like the same person. Yeah, she's... Oh, Isabella Rossellini is also stunning. Mm-hmm. Mark Merkman writes, I had to watch it for film class years ago. Very well done. Uh, movie about voyeurism. Yeah. Well, he's a photographer. Yeah. That's what he does, man. Yeah, it's about voyeurism. Say it proud. Uh, Stephanie Horn <laughs> Alfaro says, one of my most favorite films. I was introduced to it as a child by parents who instilled in me a love mm. of voyeurism. No, I'm just kidding. Of older movies. <laughs> <laughs> the style, the pacing, the fashion, even the music I found sweeping and compelling. Yeah, we didn't talk about the music, but it was yeah. great how the sounds of the neighborhood became the guy, the songwriter kind of, that was the background music a lot of times. So nice. Yeah. Even as a kid, even after all these years, I still find myself sitting on the edge of my seat during the end. Uh Jimmy Stewart brought such a quiet swagger to film. Thanks for the nostalgia on an otherwise gloomy Monday. Robin Springer writes, I love the way Grace Kelly's character gets sucked into the drama, even after Jimmy Stewart breaks up with her. Some of her uh, hominid uh, going into the suspect's apartment. Did she mean hominid? I don't know. I don't know. Going into the suspect's apartment required a lot of suspension of disbelief for me, but I still felt the tension. What else could she have meant? Some I don't know what a hominid hubris? is. So, 
Yeah, we'll say hubris. <laughs> uh, Sean Naranjo Glocky said, love it. Classic Hitchcock, tense, thrilling, funny, and glamorous. They really do not make movies like this mm-hmm. anymore, yep. but they should try. My favorite thing, however, are the window vignettes throughout the film. Yeah, yep. just seeing everybody's lives. Little channels mm-hmm. on the, in his, <laughs> in his uh, virtual television, yeah. Dan Medsty writes, uh, was always my favorite Hitchcock movie. When I saw it as a kid, it was the first time I'd ever seen limited location on a film used in an engaging way. Plus, Jimmy Stewart, come on. The man was gold. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I guess it's a virtual television because that would just make it real. It's yeah. virtual, virtual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's virtually virtual. <laughs> uh, Kim Freemal Sonderman says one of my favorite Hitchcock movies I think I first saw it when I was around 20 I was taken by the simple black and white imagery and Jimmy Stewart's acting he was always just that guy from that Christmas movie but this movie showed his depth the story was intense and the imagery was beautiful you know it's funny it wasn't black and white it was colorized but I think the colorization happened later right Oh, I don't know. We should have found out because every time yeah. I've seen it, I've seen it three times, always in color. Always in color. Right, right. Yeah. But it's funny. I watched, um, I mean, I think it was Notorious and it took me about half an hour to realize it was bla- black and white. Like it hmm. didn't even occur to me. It didn't that even. It was, no, no. And then uh, after a while I was like, oh, yeah, it's uh, black and white, but it didn't, you know, didn't make any difference. It's still an amazing movie. Huh. Your turn. (gasps) Sorry. Pam Morris writes, my first Hitchcock film and it hooked me. I find this type of psychological horror so much scarier than in your face gore. He was a genius at photography and movies, uh, a real innovator. You should check out The Rope, a film where he experimented with real time movie uh, and long unbroken takes all taking place in one room. You're right. We do need to see that. I've seen clips of that where because it's all in one room and they did have to make cuts just because of the limitations of film technology. Uh-huh. So they had like three cuts in the whole movie or something. And so when somebody would walk in front of the camera, that would mask the cut. Oh, Some, something great. like that. That's great. Because now, I mean, now if you watch a YouTube video, they don't mask cuts. The person just jumps sideways because that's right. kind of the style, but right. you can't right. do that in a Hitchcock movie. Um, Steve Brown, who's a, cool dude in town says loved it (laughs) i remember liking it especially since jimmy stewart is a photographer and fran bernstein writes one of my favorite hitchcock movies i loved how jeff names all the neighbors (laughs) it's a habit of mine i do it too uh we have people who um walk in the neighborhood uh, a husband and wife team that like walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and of course we name them the walkers (laughs) And it turns out other other people in the neighborhood also refer to them as the walkers. That's like a, a common name of theirs. It's so great. <laughs> That's funny. Mo Favo says, have you ever shared with the neighbor? I feel like she's saying, "Did you, do they know about this behavior of yours? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this is the three names should be bold-faced, not just two. Oh, oh the next one. Karen Kerr Bailey writes, love sweet and then we have uh, one call about the movie from Jimmy Stewart <laughs> uh, h- hello uh, y- yes yes this is uh, J- J- Jimmy uh, Stewart yes calling into the the, the, wa- the 
Walking uh, po- uh, Dead, uh, a podcast with uh, <laughs> J- J- Jason and 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 uh, 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 Karen is is her name. <laughs> yes, yeah. You're reviewing a rare window. Yes, yes. I remember that movie. Yes, it was a very very good movie with uh, Alfred Hitchcock and, and and myself looking out a window. Yes, yes. Very very entertaining. Uh, but. Uh, it's it, it, it extremely long, and uh, and 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 and, uh, and, and that, that's pretty much it. Very good movie, though. Yes. <laughs> that was in his uh, later senile days. No zombie sounds. <laughs> I know. Where's Jimmy Stewart's zombie sound? I know. Call back, Come Jimmy. On. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got Thanks, an Jimmy. email from. Unrelated to Rear Window from longtime listener Eric Sherman. He says, something I've been thinking about for a while now that I think a lot of the dead cast and the listenership has also been thinking about. What keeps me interested in The Walking Dead and how does that affect how I consume it? I'm into how the show portrays how people endure bleak circumstances. The show as well as the comic have been really good about initially focusing in reality tight on the few main characters and then widening the scope while doing a good job of subverting plot expectations and telling an intriguing story. Over the years, I, and I suspect most people have grown used to the cheap storytelling techniques the show uses to keep viewers watching on a weekly basis. Net effect, the show is good, but enduring it weekly can be torturous. And I totally get it. That's what the show's about. And honestly, I think this past season was the best the show has been yet. It is divinely dismal and a struggle to endure. (laughs) Sounds so nice. They knocked it out of the park along with Glenn's eyeball. (laughs) I have to applaud them for it. But I also have to get out of my seat and exit the ranks of the weekly viewers. That's not to say I'm quitting The Walking Dead completely and I'm definitely not quitting the podcast. I stand by my comments that I could listen to Jason and Karen and company talk about anything. Y'all are great, organized, compassionate thinkers and it comes through. Thank Aww, you. Thanks. I, I'm going to listen weekly and occasionally write in as per usual, but I'm only going to binge the show at the end of the seasons. I'm not worried about spoiling plot deal, details because I don't care anymore. It's a silly thing to worry about in the age of social media. One thing I'm very excited about is writing in weekly about nonsense that I will imagine <laughs> happened in the show. That could be fun. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm, please. I'm not going to watch, but I'm going to pretend like I did. And y'all can compare and contrast how close to reality the nonsense in my noggin was to all of the bullshit it. Walking Dead writer room spews out. I love what, it. What will fill the void? Walking Dead occupied, you ask? Yes. Going out and dancing with the girl of my dreams and coming up Aww. with musical arrangements for her choreography. What? Exploring the Pacific Northwest. He's a musician. Pacific Northwest by rock climbing and jumping out of airplanes and petting kitties and building literal as well as metaphorical bridges in the world around us all. I'm leaving the world of the living dead behind me, but I'll return from time to time as a visitor, not as a resident. (laughs) (laughs) Love you guys and your show and the electronics ecosystem you've built and sustained. It's impressive, entertaining, and full of deep thoughts. Don't get bit unless it's for fun and on the nipple by a living person, your pal Eric Sherman. (laughs) Eric Sherman, that is so sweet. What a nice thing to say. It makes me feel bad about myself, Eric, because I watch so much TV and I should be out petting kitties and writing music for my wife. 
building bridges, <laughs> literal and metaphorical. But I shouldn't just relate it to myself. I should just say uh, that sounds awesome. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. he's he's living the life. Yay for you, Eric, yeah. baby. And uh, we'll let you know if your predictions are correct. If uh, if any of the things do happen, if they have a pancake eating contest, for instance, in Alexandria, we'll let you know. <laughs> okay, and then we have one more call. This is Aubrey who uh, responded to my request that people who are into the whole Patreon thing write in uh-huh. and talk about it. So here's her call. Hey, Jason and Karen and Walking Dead Cast listeners. Uh, This is Aubrey, and I'm calling to give a plug for being a Patreon supporter. Um, Before I joined Patreon and had jumped on as a supporter of Jason and Karen, I really only had like one or two friends who regularly watched The Walking Dead and would talk about it with me every week. And I didn't really like follow any online groups or anything of people talking about the show. Um, so I felt like the crazed Walking Dead fan amongst, like, normal Walking Dead fans. Um, so it was really awesome to be able to be a Patreon supporter and not only, um, have all the, you know, this group of people in the Facebook page who knows Jason and Karen and knows the podcast, but are just as crazy about The Walking Dead as I am. Um, it's just a really neat opportunity, especially on Sundays when the episodes are airing, to have our little comment threads about the episodes and talk about them as they're happening and just kind of like react together and laugh together and experience all the highs and lows of the episodes together. Um, obviously, being a supporter comes with a lot of great opportunities, and I think the call in shows as well really help to like connect you with other listeners because. Not only are you listening to Jason and Karen and contributing to the call, but there's also comments there that you can have a conversation with everyone um, as the call's going on. So it's just a really great opportunity to not only support your favorite podcasters, but um, an opportunity to meet other listeners and uh, like be crazy with other crazy walking dead fans which is what we all want honestly so that's my little plug thank you guys for everything you do i love the podcast i love the patreon page Mwah. bye <laughs> oh that's really nice yeah i love aubrey thank yeah you. i do too i do too that's really mm-hmm. sweet thanks honey S- if you want to check out our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Jason and Karen. And also, we're going to do a free month of the Patreon Facebook group, like a trial, in uh, November. Oh, so, great. Yeah. So I'll talk more about that later. But basically, it's just to give you a chance to check it out if you're thinking you might want to, but not sure. And uh, it's uh, if you're interested now already, just write to me at brainsofpodcastica.com otherwise stay tuned for more details love it all right that's our show episode 276 thanks for listening everybody thanks everybody if you want to give us a call you can call us at 650-485-DEAD that's 650-485-3323 you can email us at brains at podcastica.com 
You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. And next week I'm going to, I haven't reached out yet, so I don't know if this will be possible, but I feel like it's time I interviewed someone from Fear the Walking Dead. So I'm going to try for that, but we'll see. Nice. Yeah. If not, then I will be interviewing uh, Karen pretending to be someone from Fear the Walking Dead. Nice. Uh, Nice. Okay. Talking about synthetic gasoline. Synthetic gasoline. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that should be fascinating. Uh, Also, I just want to say to our listeners in Texas, we're thinking about you and sending you our love and uh, hope you all are okay. And uh, man, I hope it stops raining there soon. Thinking about you guys. Yeah, write in and tell us how you guys are doing or go into the Facebook page. There's a post up there. Yep. Yep. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't Don't get get bit. bit. And Driscoll. Driscoll. Pickle jinx.